thank you for having me here today. Thank you, St Mary's um, Molsey, for um, all your support of CSW over the years. I know um, I remember standing here actually and speaking at Stuart's memorial service um, very, very well. And, uh, uh, yeah, it seems, seems only yesterday, but it was four or five years ago since Stuart passed away. But I'd, I'd also like to thank Andrew for the tremendous work that he does as being an ambassador here. And uh, uh, thank you, because I know when I speak to everybody here, you know about CSW. That means you're doing a good job, Andrew. So uh, thank you very much. And thank you for your prayers and your uh, all support. So it's very, very welcome. And Andrew has become a very dear friend of mine over the last few years. So thank you very much. You know, I don't know... Um, <clears throat> Some of you will know a bit about CSW, some of you may not. Um, so what I, I want to just start this morning, the passage of scripture that Andrew just read is um, uh, uh, sort of charts out the fact that uh, persecution of men and women of faith has been around um, forever. And uh, it talks that if you read the whole of the chapter, uh, 11 of Hebrews, you'll, you'll see the names of people like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel and those that really um, were delivered from the edge of the sword. But it also talks, particularly in those last few verses that Andrew read out, it talks about people that didn't escape the edge of the sword. People that it talks about were sawn in two, were beheaded in other words uh, for their faith. And you know, those things have carried on down the centuries. Persecution has been around. And of course, um, the early church um, was full of persecution. It often, I, I often laugh sometimes when I go to churches and they tell me that this church, we model this church on the early church. And uh, I think that's a fantastic thing to do, but I always express surprise that the pastor or the vicar is still alive because in the early church, um, uh, they didn't survive. And many of the leaders uh, of the early church, and in fact, all of Christ's um, disciples, apart from um, Judas Iscariot and John, all of them were actually martyred for their faith. And so persecution has been around a long while, and it's getting worse. It's worse than at any time in history. Persecution of, in fact, 84% of the world's population live in countries with high or very high um, restrictions on religious freedom. And um, <clears throat> so, um, uh, that, and that's all faiths, not just Christians. And, um, uh, but Christians are the most persecuted. But one of the reasons for that is uh, that, that the Christian church is growing around the world, which is fantastic news. Uh, more Christians are persecuted because it's growing. And in fact, it's very often growing faster in the countries where there is persecution. The fastest growing church in the world, they tell us today, is, does anybody know where? You're all mumbling. Oh, it's the masks. Yeah, it is Iran, yeah. Um, Iran is the fastest growing, which is an Islamic theocracy, and it's where Christians are persecuted as they turn, uh, as they turn from Islam to Christianity. Uh, very often uh, they are, they're imprisoned or um, several cases we've had over the last few years of, of, of Christians that um, have actually been uh, lashed, um, received 80 lashes because they've taken communion wine, which is forbidden. 
Can you imagine? You know, we've just been taking the bread and the wine in the earlier service, and uh, and you could be taken and receive 80 lashes in a place like Iran, and yet the church grows. And, uh, and, and the church in China, uh, probably, uh, which always was the fastest growing church, um, probably around 100 million believers in China today. That's amazing, isn't it? And yet it's a country of great persecution. Um, up until maybe 12 years ago, China, things were improving in China. But since Xi Jinping actually has been in, the Chinese Communist Party has really clamped down on, on people of all religions, not just Christianity. And um, uh, uh, probably out of that 100 million Christians, there are probably between 15 and 20 million who are in the state-sanctioned churches, in the churches that are officially recognised by the government. And... Uh, and they, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party would point to those churches and say, see there, we've got freedom of religion because we've got these state-sanctioned churches. But there's great restrictions on the state-sanctioned churches. For example, uh, uh, you, you know, um, there are five groups of people that are, not, that are forbidden to attend any church. And, and they are members of the Chinese Communist Party. They are uh, members of the armed forces. Now, members of uh, any, any government employee or if you're a university student or if you're a minor, you're forbidden for attending church. All of those groups of people. And how do they police that? Well, I'm not saying that every minor or every student that ever attends church gets arrested. Of course they don't. Uh, but they, have, they, they place now in the state official churches uh, uh, virtual facial recognition cameras so that if you're sitting in church here this morning there is cameras on your face and they they check those images against the official identity card images on the government computers and so they can tell if you've been to church and you shouldn't have been and you may well get a visit from uh, the secret police in China. We all know, we've heard of the situation of the Uyghurs in China, which are a Muslim group. Um, and, and, you know, it's really, just let me say, it's really important as Christians this morning that we speak out for people of all faiths, not just for Christians. We at CSW, we are solidly a Christian organisation. All our staff are Christian. Uh, we are motivated by the word of God in all that we do. And, uh, but... but we feel it's right. And the story of the Good Samaritan is a great example. When, when, uh, when the man came to Jesus and said, who's my neighbour? And he basically said, everybody's your neighbour, which a bit upset the man because he thought he was going to be able to tick off a few people who Jesus was going to say was his neighbour. Uh, but Jesus said, well, even these people that you don't like, even these people you don't get on with, even these people you don't agree with, they're your neighbour and we must love them. And so as Christians, st standing up and speaking out for the Uyghur Muslims is an important thing to do. And we do it because we're Christian. It's not because we're some interfaith syncretist organisation that believes that any, any path leads to, to God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. But nevertheless, we must speak up for those of other faiths. There are probably up to three million Uyghur Muslims in um, detention, in rehabilitation, no, what do they call them? Um, yeah, they're called um, re-education, sorry, re-education camps. 
and, uh, and, and the Chinese Communist Party say, oh, well, they, they want to be there because they're being educated. They're getting some education. Well, if you go to school, if you come to go to get educated here in this country and in most countries, you're, you're able to come home at night. Well, you never get... I don't know anybody that's gone into the re-education centres and has come out again. Many of the women are being sterilised now because they're trying to, 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 trying to commit genocide against the Uyghur minority there. In, and there are Christian Uyghurs too, incidentally, but the majority of them are Muslims. And uh, the good thing is that the world's media has begun to, um, to, to highlight the cases of the Uyghurs. But we must, we must push through and say, you know, it's more than the Uyghurs. Um, it is Christians, it's, it's, it's other faith groups too, Tibetan Buddhists and others, they're trying to shut down religion completely. On the 1st of March, the Chinese Communist Party are bringing in regulations to control online religious content, okay? anything online. So uh, I believe this service is being live streamed. That would not be allowed after 1st of March in China unless you've got a special permit. And we know that the permits, by experience, we know the permits won't be given uh, to the majority of Christian churches in China. Uh, but it's not just the streaming of services, it's anything on the internet, it's, it's podcasts, it's even text messages on your phones, or WhatsApps, and th those kind of things. All religious content is going to be shut down in China. That's incredible, isn't it? And yet the world wants to trade with China. Everybody wants to trade with China. So people are frightened to raise... Many countries are frightened to raise these issues with the Chinese authorities because they're worried about their trade deals. And uh, we believe, and we in CSW are trying to um, unite countries around the world to say, let's all stand up together against the Chinese government of what they're doing. It's very, very important that we speak out about these things. I could, you know, I said 84% of the world's population, or did I? I can't remember if I did or didn't. I did in the first service. 84% of the world's population live in countries with high or very high restrictions on religious freedom, most of whom are Christians, but not all. And, uh, and so we are in the minority. Uh, we are fortunate. We are free. We are able to speak out. And, you know, it's, it's a job when I come to a church like this to think of what countries I could tell you about because I could tell you of so many. One in seven Christians around the world are, are living countries where uh, they've got severe restrictions. And so, um, you know, I've mentioned China. Let me just mention um, one other country because I could mention... Oh, I've mentioned Iran, so that's good. Um, Nigeria, probably... It, it, it is so violent in Nigeria, 50% Christian, 50% Muslim, roughly. And most of the Christians live in the south, most of the Muslims live in the north. Uh, but the central area is where there's a big mixture, but also there are Christians in the north too. And that's where all the persecution or, or, or the violence takes place. Um, mainly against Christians from terrorist groups like Boko Haram. Islamic State West Africa province is now um, taking over in, in northern Nigeria in many, many places, is, is particularly kidnapping schoolgirls. And you probably know here about the case of Leah Sharibu, in, in, who was taken when she was 14 years old in 2018, along with other schoolgirls, and she was 
110 other, 109 other schoolgirls, and uh, they were all released. The government negotiated their release, and but she was the only Christian, and they said that she could only be released if she converted to Islam. She refused as a 14-year-old girl. She stood firm and stood strong and said, no, I, I'm a Christian, I'll remain a Christian. Because of that, she is still in the camp four years later. Uh, she's still there. It'll be four years next month uh, that she will have been in captivity. And, uh, but we did just hear, literally in the last couple of weeks, um, uh, there was new commitments from, from the government and from the armed forces that they will that they will uh, bring Leah back. Um, so we need to pray. Let's redouble our efforts to pray for Leah and pray that she, you know, it must have been terrible. She's been living as a, as a almost certainly as a sex slave too in that place and she's going to face all kinds of issues when she comes back from captivity. But the situation in Nigeria is so volatile. It could be the next Rwanda. It's uh, because... Uh, because killings are taking place across particularly that central belt. And I've visited the central belt a number of times. Kidnappings take place on a daily basis on the road from Abuja to Kaduna. And I've travelled that road several times and it's the most frightening place I've been in the world. You just never know because all, you get roadblocks every, every few minutes and you never know whether those roadblocks are going to be bandits or whether they're going to be uh, the army or, or what they're, whether they're going to be terrorists. You just don't know because it, the terrorists are dressed up as soldiers. So nobody knows what... And these people are living. It's, it's fine. I can go there and I can visit villages where, and I have done, uh, where, where um, people have been killed and, 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 and whole villages have been destroyed. I've been to those places. But I can come home again. They have to live there day after day. And they have to face what is going on, you know. And so often when we go to those places... We're told we thought, the, we thought the church in the rest of the world had forgotten us. You know, brothers and sisters, it's so important. Although we live in a, we live in a nice place in Surrey, uh, we've got to remember that we have a family elsewhere in the world uh, that we must not forget, that we must stand up and we must speak out for. And so that brings me to what we do in CSW. Uh, what we do in CSW is provide a voice. We are not an aid organisation. We, um, we don't deliver any forms of aid. We don't do, um, we don't, we're not involved in, in mission work. Uh, in fact, we've got in CSW an anti-proselytisation policy, not because we think people shouldn't proselytise. We think they should, and we want to help them to do that, but we don't do that in CSW. And it's very important that we, that we don't do that. And so... Uh, <clears throat> But, uh, but we are an organisation, we are an advocacy organisation. Proverbs 31 tells us to speak up for those unable to speak for themselves. And, and it's so important that we do that. It doesn't say speak up for um, uh, the church or speak up for God's covenant people. It says speak up for all those who are unable to speak for themselves. And that's why we speak into... For, for the Rohingya Muslims, for the Hindu girls in Pakistan that are being married off and forcibly converted and raped and married off uh, to, to, to Muslim, uh, uh, um, Muslim husbands. 
And um, we need to speak out for all of those things. And that's what we do in CSW. We do it at a very high level. We do it at government level. We do it, um, I sit on the Foreign Secretary's Human Rights Advisory Group, and that's all human rights. But I speak out very specifically for freedom of religion or belief. And I want to say, we've been doing this for many, many years, as, as Andrew says, I've been doing it for a long while, 40, I know I don't look that old, do I? But um, 43 years. And, uh, but when I first started speaking about this in the British Parliament, there were very, very few MPs interested. And uh, I, d I mentioned in the first service, one of the first MPs that was interested, that I remember taking to Russia in 1987, was David Amos, the MP who recently was, um, was killed. And uh, David and I were very good friends, and he was, a, he was a, a, a great voice for those unable to speak for themselves. He was a Catholic Christian, strong man of faith. And, uh, but, but there were very few members of parliament 40 years ago who were interested in this. Today, in 2000, and whatever we are in, 22, um, there are 144 members of parliament who are members of the all-party parliamentary group on freedom of religion or belief. That's amazing. Uh, from just a handful those years ago. There is more awareness, in fact, there's more awareness in, in, in a, at a political level around the world of, of religious persecution than there is in the church. There is incredible um, uh, awareness, and we now have to push forward to, to change that awareness into action. Some of you will remember that a few years ago, Jeremy Hunt, when he was Foreign Secretary, asked the Bishop of Truro to do a review of persecution into Christians. And I've been working with the Bishop of Truro for a number of years now. And, um, and uh, this year, uh, and, and actually just over a year ago, our Prime Minister appointed a special envoy for freedom of religion or belief. Fiona Bruce. Now, a lot of people, when I say Fiona Bruce, everybody immediately thinks of the, of the journalist and the TV person, but it's not that. It's that she's an MP for Congleton, a, a, a strong Christian, and she's the Prime Minister's special envoy. We work very closely with her. I probably speak to her several times a week, every week, and, uh, and we're pushing to move from awareness to action around the world. There's a 33-country alliance called the International Religious Freedom and Belief Alliance, which Fiona now chairs at ministerial level that are pushing for more awareness. And this year, the British, please pray for this, in July of this year, the British government, this country, is hosting a high-level ministerial conference summit on international religious freedom here in London. And uh, please pray that that will be a great opportunity to move forward and to push forward. So what can we do? I'm sorry, my time was probably up about 10 minutes ago, but I'm sorry. Um, what can we do? We can pray. Prayer is so, so important. Prayer, uh, uh, Andrew read that thing out that Stuart, uh, those of you who knew Stuart, he, he said that text probably 20 times a day. He was always quoting it. You know, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails a lot. And, 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 and it does. Prayer makes a difference. I've seen miraculous things happen as people have been, have been freed because of prayer. I've seen countries change. You know, when I started this work, it, it, there was persecution all over Eastern Europe. Uh, and I believe very much, when communism fell in the, in the late 80s, I believe one of the reasons was because people had been praying for years about Christians in Eastern Europe. So prayer makes it, we can pray, we can protest. And please go on to our website at csw.org.uk. 
uh, and, and you'll find there how you can do something, how you can raise your voice, how you can protest and speak out against the terrible things that are happening around the world to our brothers and sisters and people of other faith. You can protest, you can write to your Member of Parliament. Please go onto our website and see the various things that you can do. And, and, you, and we can provide prayer, protest and provision. Thank you for your financial provision here as a church to CSW. Uh, we, we only work on around 30 countries. If we had more finance, we, more resources, we could work on double that number of countries. There are so many countries in the world where people are persecuted. But you can also provide by writing letters and cards to people who are in prison and the families of those of people in prison. Um, there's a resource on our website, and I've got a few copies here as well at the back, Connect and Encourage, which is a, an address book where you can just sit down, just take a few minutes and write a card and say, we're praying for you. Write a card and say, we're thinking of you. Our church is praying for you. Those cards, I can tell you from many experiences of meeting people who have received those cards, make a tremendous difference in people's lives. I just want to finish by saying... What, what is not an option for any of us, I believe, is to remain silent when we know about these things. When we hear about them, you may have heard for the first time this morning some of those things. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go home and have our lunch and then forget about it? Or are we going to stand up and speak out? I want to finish by reading a very, very short extract from a book by a man called Pastor Erwin Lutzer. Erwin Lutzer was a young boy in a church in Germany during the Second World War. And this is what he writes now many, many, many years later. A railroad track ran behind our small church and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance and then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realised that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we would also hear the cries of the Jews en route to death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming and when we heard the whistle blow in the distance, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly. And soon we heard them no more. Although years have passed, I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. God forgive me. And God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians and yet did nothing to intervene. As we hear the cries of our brothers and sisters around the world today, just a challenge to all of us. Are we singing our hymns more loudly or are we standing up and speaking out on their behalf? Thank you so much and God bless you.